0: Good morning, good morning, good to be back with all of you and uh, invite you if you have some form of scripture, either a, a good old-fashioned Bible like myself or some electronic version to turn to our passage of the morning, Paul's letter to the churches in Philippi. Church is plural in the sense that in any one community, there's actually one church, but she meets in many different places. And that's what I even love about looking out here and seeing men and women that have been involved in the Christ Church family for a long time. But these three expressions, this letter is just for such as a people as we are. And let's remember as we turn to the second chapter, of Philippians, that Paul is not writing these words from a Mediterranean condo sipping pina coladas. He is in prison. In fact, as you begin reading early in Philippians 1, you see the the beauty and the freedom of a man's heart that is so taken up with the advancing of the gospel, so committed to see the church become beautiful, that even as he is in prison, he knows there are some that are taking advantage of the fact that he's in prison. But Paul there in chapter 1 says, you know, I know some people are... Are exploiting me, talking about me. If I were really an apostle of faith, I would not be in prison. But this is what my joy is, Paul would say. I'm just thankful that Jesus is being preached, whether from good motives or bad motives. Now, what kind of person can think in those terms, not bound up with their own reputation, but in prison, knowing some people are spinning and slandering him, trying to promote their ministries, above his own. Paul is so secure in the wonder of God's love. He just wants the church to see Jesus and to love her and to make her known. Now, that's how that letter begins, but there's another interesting story in the fourth chapter of Philippians that I want to briefly mention To kind of put this conversation in context, this morning we're talking about the the DNA of grace or the DNA of the gospel, that which defines us more than anything else. In chapter four, there's another backstory. Paul mentions two remarkable women that have been serving Jesus in the great city of Philippi, two women, gospel women And their names are Euodia and Syntyche. Probably you have not named your children or grandchildren, Euodia or Syntyche. But when we read in chapter 4, there's an interesting story. Gifted servants of Jesus, these women serving alongside of Paul, apparently they got turned sideways with each other. Apparently there's been some break in their ministries. They are working hard. I don't know that it would be exactly like Beth Moore versus K. Arthur, or something like that, but you 've got two gifted women that there 's been a break in their relationship there 's been something going on that has created tension. We now we, we know what that looks like. we can 't do life without knowing that in every relationship tensions emerge, and it happens absolutely just as much in the local church. We see that as we read the New Testament. So Paul begins this letter with a broken tension of those taking advantage of him, he shows later in the letter that two godly women who he loves have kind of gotten turned sideways with each other. And right in the middle, he gives us this remarkable chapter, chapter two of Philippians, in which he says, this is what I want for one and all alike. This is homeroom. This is refuge. This is gospel sanity. Let's keep coming back to this, because this is what it means to live in God's story to his glory. This is what it means for Euodia and Syntyche and these other people that don't really love me. But our preaching Jesus is what we all need to know. This is the wonder of what it means to be the church in our moment in God's place. Let me pray one moment then I'm going to read this scripture for us. Father, thank you so much for the wonderful weekend we've enjoyed together. But Lord, even more, I remember the very first time I was in this community years ago when John Hutchinson was here. And Lord, friends that I see now even met then. And Lord, there's been a lot of story. There's been like in every season of life, there's rapture and rupture. There's hiccup and heartache and hallelujah, Lord. And it's just a part of life between the resurrection and return of Jesus. Thank you that I already feel connected to this people in some ways even more from this weekend. Lord, would you by your spirit now just really redemptively mess with us? By your spirit, would you come and take these words of scripture, Lord, and and show us the indicatives of grace and show us the imperatives of love and show us the illumination of hope. We want to live as a people freshly stunned by the only love that will never let go of us. And we want to live it out with one another in these three churches. But Lord, we especially want to begin to get a vision of what it's going to mean in these coming months and years in a very changing and challenging world and culture, how we can be the best neighbors, how we can anticipate the day when the knowledge of your glory will cover all of Jacksonville and indeed the entire earth as the waters cover the sea. Lord, bring your word to bear now. Free me, Lord, to be bold, to be kind, to be present, to serve these whom you cherish so much, I pray in Jesus' name and for his glory. Amen. You're the word of God. I'm actually going to read a little bit further than the stated passage in your um, bulletin. Here's what the Lord says to us. And I've already given you these three, three aspects of this word. So think about we're going to be looking at the indicatives of grace. That's just a statement. An indicative is a proposition, it's something God brings to us. The indicatives of grace statement, reality. What is grace? What is the gospel? And then the imperatives of love that flow out of that. And then the illumination of hope, how we live as those in whom the light of Christ is glowing as we hold it out for those around us. Word of God. I'm reading from old NIV 84. That's my translational choice. If any of you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion... Then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility, consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interest of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus." That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence... Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling for it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. Do everything without complaining or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation in which you shine like stars in the universe as you hold out the word of life, in order that I may boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor for nothing, even if I am being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. So you should be glad and rejoice with me. Word of God for God's people. Thanks be to God for his word. What an amazing storyteller Paul was. What an incredible theologian. What a lover of people. What a wise man that was no stranger to conflict and insanity. He's pastoring well from prison. It's just a remarkable expression of how when the joy of the Lord is our core, that it does not replace our tears, but it does transform them. And just hear his heart, his appeal for these churches. In some ways, we could say kind of like the three churches called Christ Church. And I love the fact that y'all were moving into this new season, of particularizing, and you're not, it's not like you're moving away from one another, but you're beginning to understand we are in the same gospel, in the same city, but in different contexts. And we need to steward that. Well, how are we going to do that well? These remarkable words of Paul start with what we, I've already referred to as the indicatives of grace, the indicatives of the gospel. And notice what Paul does so wisely here. It's really what I would call a redemptive setup because though his language is, if you have X, Y, and Z, he really means since you have X, Y, and Z. Paul is going to root our movement forward Paul is going to root our call to love better, not in do more, try harder, but a fresh understanding, a fresh experience of a gospel that has already been understood and cherished. Notice the categories he uses. He writes, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, let's stop there for a moment. Paul's presupposing it's good to be encouraged. We're not We're not selfish or wrong to want in our core, in our heart, in this moment, in this day, a sense of encouragement. Encouragement in Scripture is a sense of peace. It's a joy. It's an awareness of of the fact that there's a larger story in play. Encouragement's good, but you know what? Even as we want encouragement, we would all say today, here's where I tend to go from my encouragement. Or here's even the illusion I have or the lies I believe that I'll only be encouraged if. That's why Paul says, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, that's really what it means to be a Christian. If some of you happen to be here today with friends and are just beginning to explore Christian faith, we're first of all, so thankful you are here, honored you would spend a part of your Sunday morning with us. But please hear this, when the Bible talks about people being Christians, it speaks about a relationship, encouragement from being in union with Christ. It's so different than simply saying encouraged about your own record, encouraged about the fact that, that life is good and easy, encouraged about the fact that you really love your church. You no, know Paul's saying there's a core encouragement that we, we always need to be cultivating and should be concerned when we lose. Encouragement is a current word. Encouragement, is not like just having a birth certificate. Do you have one? Encouragement is an existential reality. It's something that we could say, yes, yes, my, my heart is landing on this. And though uh, there's a lot of stuff I cannot control, and though there are discouraging things in my life, this is happening now. That's why Paul writes these indicatives. If you are right now encouraged in Christ, why should we be encouraged for no other reason Than simply because we are in union with Christ. Well, what does it even mean to be in union with Christ? Paul describes it in Colossians 3 with this language. He talks about how if you're a Christian, what happened was God took your life and he hid it in Christ's life. And we are literally in union with Christ. It's like my bulletin I have here. You know, um, I can pull this out and I say, well, here, here, you know, there was a time I was not in Christ. And, and, and then when God gave me an awareness that I needed what Jesus alone could do for me, here's what he did. God did not say, okay, go try to be like Jesus. Here's Jesus over here and here's me. Okay, Scotty, you wanna be a Christian? Try real hard to be like that. He didn't do that. You know, he said, I'm gonna take your life, Scotty. I'm gonna raise you up from the dead. I'm gonna hide your life in my son. And you are enveloped in everything that Jesus has done for you. Now, swim in that, marinate in that, live in that. Well, part of what comes to every Christian with being united with Christ is what? We've already participated in this morning, the forgiveness of our sins. We talked about that at the Spiritual Renewal Conference this weekend, that if we are in Christ, if we are someone that has responded to the free gift of eternal life, we will never be more forgiven than we are today. And not only that, if we are in union with Christ, God has has said to us, I declare you to be already now legally righteous in my sight. To be in union with Christ would mean that, that this thing in front of us in history called Judgment Day, it's already taken place. If you are in Christ, Judgment Day is moved from the future into the present through the death of Jesus at Calvary. We don't have to be afraid to die if we are in Christ. We don't have to be afraid to live if we are in Christ. If we are in union with Christ because of what Jesus has done, God cannot love us more than he does today, and he will never love us less. In fact, according to the Bible itself, if we are in Christ God loves every one of us as much as he loves Jesus, and there's nothing we can do about it. That's an intended pregnant pause. We need to sit there. I mean, it comes out from my mouth so easily, right? But think about that. If God loves you as much as he loves Jesus, and there's nothing you can do about it, you can't add to it. You can't put a bigger smile on God's face. You cannot diminish it, not because God is static, but because he is passionately committed to love his children as much as he loves Jesus because of what he's done for us. Can you see why Paul would start there to a group of churches that are beginning to kind of maybe lose their sense of illumination and and thinking about other stuff, and life is getting busy, and good, gifted women in Jesus are kind of not... You know, they're competing. Who's got the most fannies in the seat in their Bible study? Or you got, you know, other people out here dissing on Paul. Paul's saying, whoa, 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 time back. Let's come back to what really matters. Do you have any encouragement from being in union with Christ? I mean, some of us need to hear today just afresh. We don't have to be afraid to die because we're in Christ if some of us may suck our less oxygen today, this is the confidence we have to be absent from the bodies to be present with the Lord. Lost a good friend two weeks ago, fell out of a, win, a second-story window. She was having an aneurysm, yelled to her son, and the window was up and she fell out. Boom, she's gone. One of the biggest prayer warriors in my life. Linda was here, Linda was gone. But Linda was immediately with Jesus. Do you have any encouragement from being in union with Christ? And think with me a moment. If, if, you're, if, you're, if you're banking on your primary encouragement coming from your marriage, good luck with that one. If you're banking on your primary encouragement coming from your perfect pastor, I don't even want to go there. I've been one of those for 40 years. I've had all kinds of umbilical cords plugged into me by people that Won't be the fourth member of the Trinity. And I got over trying. Finally, stop trying. Your primary encouragement is from your children rising up and calling you blessed. Yes, mom. Yes, you're the greatest dad ever. Your primary encouragement is coming from how much money you have, what you look like. You name it. How good you feel. Paul says, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, we could go on for three hours with that one. But look what else he says. If any fellowship, if any comfort from his love. Wow, we're not wrong to want comfort and we're not wrong to want love. Any comfort from his love. Saying this morning, oh love that will not let me go, I rest my weary soul on thee. Where do you go when you want intimacy and connection for which you've been made, but what's the wrong place you go? What's the comfort you want? Comfort's not a bad thing, but if it becomes an ultimate thing, we either go to snorting lines of cocaine or trying to make God like us by more obedience. It's amazing what Christian cocaine can look like. It's more sophisticated than shooting up heroin, but it's just as lethal. Paul's so wise. Any any comfort from his love. And, and if, if we don't have comfort from his love this morning, you know, it's why I'm glad we're finishing this service at this table because we're gonna remember today in the breaking of the bread and the, and the drinking of the cup, there is a life lived for me that is perfect, that is mine, And but God's spirit, I can know that love again. Paul goes on, if any, what? Fellowship with the spirit. You know, we all have friends. Sometimes our friendships are going pretty well. Sometimes church is fun. Sometimes you want to trade church in for a frog because it's not fun to do church. I pastored the same church for 26 years in Franklin, Tennessee, and lived there long enough to watch members come and go three different times Like now, church has become food court at the mall. What are you hungry for today? I don't know. Let's go to the mall. Let's stand there. I got seventeen different choices. We got stir fried. We got refried. We got no fried. I'm not being cynical. I promise you. See, we're made with these longings. We want, but want becomes demand, and we hurt each other, and we judge each other, we trade each other in. saying, ah, so beautiful, so profound. Any encouragement from being united with Christ, any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion flowing out of what? Knowing the Lord afresh. As we said all weekend, we are prone to wander, but our God is even more prone to seek and to find. That's why Paul goes from these indicatives of grace into the imperatives of love. That is where he goes next in this conversation about what it means to be churches and owning the reality that it's not always easy to be married. It's not, in fact, it's never easy to be married. It's not ever really easy to do, church. Why? Because we're a part of a story that requires Jesus, and we so much of the time ignore Jesus. But notice what he says in verse two. Then make my joy complete by what? Now he's gonna start talking about the imperatives of love. And you're gonna see now uh, the wisdom of the scripture calling a church, a young church, a church plant, an older church, always about, this is our true center. This is, this is, we cannot forget this. We forget this to our peril. We, we gotta, this has gotta be our gyroscope, our GPS for every season of our life. Paul says, Know Jesus afresh, love him, surrender to God's spirit, be a humble, gentle people so that what? So that you become, verse two, like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Paul's writing to a group of different churches and he's not saying God's goal for you is uniformity. Never, 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 never. The worst thing that could happen would be if all three of your churches wore the same outfit. See, we're part of a story that's looking for on-ramps for all kinds of people to come to know this Jesus, this love, this encouragement, this comfort. And and we need incarnational beauty. We need an incredible family tree like Christ Church to to be not just three, but maybe in time, 13 different fellowships. Because the need is that great. I live in a city right now where there's 1.8 million people, and in 17 to 20 years, they say it's going to be 3.1 million. Greater Nashville, Tennessee. We need gospel-loving, DNA-by-grace-smitten churches like you guys to love your neighbors and to get over pettiness and to stop forgetting the gospel like I do at least once a day. And I'm being generous. Be like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Do, listen to this. How is this even doable Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Right, Paul, what have you been smoking? Who lives that kind of radical love? Well, those who are encouraged by union with Christ. Those who find comfort in his love and are not foolish to think, primarily you're gonna get it somewhere else. Those who are loved, adored, welcome, known, and they begin to say, Lord, you've written us into your story to be with other fellow broken sinners that are made for life in a new earth, but that's in the future. And we're called to do now the transforming work of the gospel in our communities that the watching world might see. This is not church as usual. This is different. This isn't a bunch of conservative people getting together, confusing the Republican Party with the kingdom of God. No, I've heard that in Christ Church and their churches, there are men and women from different ages and different ethnic backgrounds that are beginning to believe that the gospel is so much more precious than they have ever known. And they're serving one another, and they think of each other more highly than themselves. They even pray for one another from their pulpits. They, they find out how to encourage each other, and all the more as they see the day of Christ approaching. Dear friends, there is nothing that will make the gospel more credible to men and women of greater Jacksonville, Florida, than you guys afresh being astonished at the only love that's better than life. Because you're gonna, it's gonna mark your, it's gonna mark the way your three pastors relate to each other. It's gonna mark the way you, 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 you founding charter members begin to give up seniority and say, oh God, raise up young men and women that can come and, and live in this story. Let us learn from them even as we seek to encourage them. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interest, but also to the interest of others. Can you just imagine what that could look like in these three churches in a fresh way as the gospel is the court. It's not a big chart you pull down with all your strategy and all this kind of stuff. Strategies are good, but gospel reality is more essential. Humble people, glad people, quick repenters, men and women just getting over themselves, us dropping, our posing, and pretending, and living out of gospel astonishment together. And the reason why Paul does what he does next is all of this is impossible apart from Jesus. Every bit of it. This is not a cheerleading weekend. This is not rededicating a rededications weekend. This is not getting you guys fired up to do something you can do if you just get a little bit more earnest Now notice where Paul goes next. Giving us this vision of the gospel and all the goodness we have by the spirit applying Christ to our lives, making sure that we know the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself in love. And this is just Paul's way in these verses of reminding us of the new commandment. Jesus said, they will know you are my disciples by the way you have love one for another. That's why Paul next says, here's your attitude. Here's the attitude you should have. And actually in verse five in the Greek, it reads better than this. My old NIV says, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. In the Greek, it actually says, this is the attitude that is yours in Christ, i.e., those of you who are in union with Christ this is the attitude you have by sheer reality you're in union with Christ now live out of your reality you can't try to do this but here's what Jesus has done for us who being in very nature god did not consider equality with god something to be grasped that didn't mean he didn't didn't mean he would not dare try to reach for equality with god actually the greek says he did not grasp it selfishly. Rather, what did he do? He who was eternally God let go of that grasp and became a servant. There is no greater paradox in the world that the second member of the Trinity, Jesus Christ, would take on the form of a servant, would become a man for us, live in our place, a life of perfect obedience, die in our place upon the cross, exhausting God's judgment. This is what Paul's saying. The gospel is a person. It's not an it. It's not a something. The gospel is a person. Grace is a person. He made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself and became obedient to death, death on a cross. The death of Jesus was not an accident. He came to die because He created us to live. Therefore, God exalted him, meaning Jesus, to the highest place, his resurrection and his ascension, and gave him the name that's the name that's above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow and every tongue will confess on heaven, on earth, and under the earth that, that Jesus is, Jesus Christ is Lord of the glory of God the Father. These last two or three verses would have landed on these churches in Philippi, Philippi in this fashion. Here's your story. Paul's saying, remember this, it's about Jesus. It's not about you, Euodia, Syntyche. It's not about me. It's not about these people out here that are dissing on me, still preaching Jesus, but are just so building their reputation. No, it's about none of us are the point. We all matter. And here's where history is going, Paul says. A day is coming when the one who created the world, who came into the world for us, to live for us and die for us and be raised for us, he's coming back and every knee will bow, meaning what? In Scripture, it means that God is writing a story of gaining a family, creating a family, redeeming a family from every single race, tribe, tongue, and people group. And one day, that family will bow before the Lord and will be fully given over to his praise. Paul's saying, church, this is your story. Your labors in the Lord will never be in vain. Do not despise the day of small beginning. Don't live by what you see, but live by the unseen reality of promises God has made. He alone can fulfill. That's why lastly, as we get ready to come to this table, look at where the text finishes up, which we read. Verse 12, Paul now applies these indicatives of grace and highlighting the imperatives of love, of our calling to love as we are loved. By the Trinity, he says, therefore, as you always obeyed, and not only in my presence, but in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it's God who works in you to to act according to his good purpose. That is so freeing. Paul says, keep the bar high of loving well. Keep the bar high of always coming back to more of the gospel. Because know this, as you give your heart to that, God is working you. God is working in to do you the very things he commands. The obedience of faith and love. But then lastly, I love this, and this is where I will conclude after a brief prayer. Verse 14, do nothing, Christ, church, and all three of your glorious expressions, do nothing uh, with complaining and arguing. Do everything without complaining and arguing. Ouch. Ouch. If I just try to do that in my own marriage, do everything without complaining or arguing, so that you may what become blameless and pure, children of God, without fault, in a crooked and defrayed generation, in which you shine like stars in the universe. Two, image, two images of light. We finish with. What does Paul mean when he says to the churches, to your three churches, that we are in union with Christ, a people that are so loved, have God's Spirit calling us into intimacy and fellowship with him and one another, that we are stars in the universe. My dad was a navigator. My dad that I did not know well until he was 81 and I was 50. Incredible breakthrough late in life where a father and son lived complete disconnection with one another after the death of his wife, my mom. But my dad was a navigator. And one of my prized possessions is a sextant. My dad... Went to Merchant Marine Academy before there was radar. He took sixty. He took ships to sixty different countries in the world, doing nothing but reading the stars. The image of stars in the universe means, dear friends, Christ Church, we are to help people navigate home. We're to be a light in Greater Jacksonville to say, "This is what beauty looks like. This is the way God can be known." Stars in the universe, people finding their way because we are not better than anybody. We're broken, but we're in union with the beautiful one, Jesus. And this little light of ours doesn't shine sometimes through our pettiness, through our forgetfulness, through our choosing to do church over doing Christ. And the Lord's saying, come home, come home, come home. We're called to shine as lights navigating as you hold out and love this as you hold out the word of life. Isn't that beautiful? As you hold out the word of life. What does that mean as we conclude? Well, it means that we don't hold out the word of political correctness. We don't hold out the word of PCA. We don't have the word of a religion. We don't hold out the word of our, what do you think of Donald Trump? The issue is what do we think of Christ? And where have we looked to other words than the word of life as it comes to us in, the, in Jesus? And do we see the sweetness, the power, the glory of the Lord saying, come home, come home, come home. You know how often we need what I just said today? You know how often we need to hear what I just said today? Every day. Martin Luther said, we need to hear the gospel every day because we forget it every day. Dear, dear, dear friends, my love for you, my prayers for you, my sure hope for you, this illumination of hope is that the end of the story is absolutely awesome. The Lord will bring to completion the good work you began. Let's cooperate with that work in the heart of this church, in the history of this church, in the future of this church, in the diversity of this church. Let's be those stars that are mirroring the wonder of the only love that's better than life. Amen. That was timid. Amen. 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 Let me pray. Father, thank you for giving me the gift of meeting some of these friends, uh, I guess maybe two decades ago. And uh, Lord, we all need Jesus today as much as we did then. And uh, I just pray, Lord, that what's going to happen in the next season in the Christ church family will be encouragement from being united with Christ, comfort from his love, fellowship with the Holy Spirit, tenderness and compassion flowing out of gospel, 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 more the gospel. And I pray there would be a remarkable way in which these three churches would honor one another above themselves, that there would be a real sense of as our world gets more crooked and depraved, we're going to need each other. It's not about throwing grenades, it's about building bridges. Oh Lord, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for the end of the story. We will bow. And we will rejoice. Hallelujah, what a savior, hallelujah, with a salvation, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen.